We serve an almighty God through whom all... Good morning. Just while we get this set up here, <clears throat> we got this flat desk because I've got my computer on here and the last time I, I used something here, uh, and it was that data projector, one of those of you who are here will remember that one of the children ran out and they caught their, their foot around and it was the first time I'd ever turned the data projector on. And they caught their foot around it and the next thing I knew, whoom, and it went flying through the air and hit the ground with a crash and I thought that might be the end of my data projector. But the, the Lord was gracious and it wasn't the end of the data projector and it's, it's been to New Guinea twice and, and all over the place with me since. But with this flat desk, at least I know that, that um, it's this computer, God willing, is not going to go flying and, and ruin that because there's a lot of hard-earned money in that. Well, I'm glad to see you here this morning. You glad to be at church to worship the Lord? A lot of our people are missing. You know where they are, of course. North New South Wales camp. And uh, I feel a little bit of envy that they can go up there and have that wonderful experience with the Lord up there at camp. But we're here to worship the Lord and I know he'll be with us this morning. I say this whenever they're away. But aren't the young people, and you know, before I even talk about the young people, I am so glad that we have the middle-aged and older people as a part of this church. Amen? You are the foundation and the rock that keeps this church going, of course, with Jesus. And we're, we're thankful for you. But, but aren't the young people, who almost all of them who are away at camp, making a difference to our numbers in this church? Amen? You've got to look around this morning. When they're gone, it certainly is a kind of a different feel here and we miss them and you need to pray that the Lord will bring them back safely. That's a big thing when you're a young person, safely to worship with us again next Sabbath and onwards for the rest of the year. Have we got a picture there now? You might want to remember and we might want to close the curtains, brothers, so that people can see. You might want to remember, and I know I've already mentioned it, Judy Cobbin in your prayers. This has been a frightening thing. And the fact that we have lost, number one, one of our cameras, which can be replaced, but number two, that we lose, almost lose, one of our team members. It makes you wonder what the devil's up to and what he's trying to achieve. I've got to tell you that this television ministry that's burgeoning in this church is up and it is away. And within three months we will be on television here in Australia. And this church will have a major impact with the message we have to the people of, the, of this country and perhaps even to the world. And so please pray, pray for your television uh, members and your, televi and your television ministry. We, we, we were having a wonderful week up until Judy's accident. You know that the church board and finance committee gave us $5,000 for another camera, which makes us a three camera shoot, which means we are now viable. Do you know that the conference this week transferred our evangelism monies of 11, almost $11,000 and that has now allowed us to almost complete the first stage of acquisition for equipment for this television ministry. And so up until Thursday night, we were, having, we were all on a great high. But we were brought down, of course, with Judy's terrible accident. 
And for those of us who are in the know, there was much fear and prayer for her life this week. And, and it impacted me deeply because she's a, a personal friend of mine. And it was a relief when I finally got through to, um, to, to Kelvin yesterday afternoon and, and he said, well, the doc, she's still in intensive care. She'll be there until Sunday morning, but the doctors are very happy. You know, Judy punctured a lung. She did something to a spleen and, and that's what was worrying them. And, and it was, she was not a big lady and really beaten up in this accident. And uh, I just praise God that he was watching over her and seeing her through this, this very dangerous time of her life. Today's um, sermon is Crossing Jordan and uh, I think it's a good title. And I think it's a sermon, it's a, it's a study for the last days, the days we're in. You know, many people, especially Seventh-day Adventists, when they are, when they are confronted by the end of time and the serious things that, that come along through the Bible with the end of time and we're Seventh-day Adventists, we know what's ahead of us. They feel great fear. They experience great trepidation. And, and I've worked with young people a lot in my time and I've noticed that young people especially who have their whole lives in front of them and, and want to experience marriage and children. And I want to tell you, if you haven't experienced marriage and if you haven't experienced children, it is everything it's built up to be and more. It is a wonderful experience. But they especially feel to the point where they almost say, God, please, please don't come. Don't come and, uh, uh, until uh, until I've... I've uh, until I've been married and, and I've had at least one child. And, and lo- uh, there are some who say, Lord, before these terrible times come down upon us, please let me go to sleep. Let me die. Uh, th- there are a, a lot of reasons why people don't want to face the end of time. But I suspect that most of you who sit here in this church this morning, whether you like it or not, are going to be confronted with the end of time, that you will have to walk through it, whether you like it or not. And it is a river that most of you, whether you like it or not, will have to cross. And so it's worth for a few moments today us looking at how we're going to cross that river, which is deep and wide and swift, and how we're going to cross it successfully. But before we go any further, I just want to ask the Lord one more time to be with us this morning. So I want to ask you to bow your heads. Jesus, as we do this Bible study this morning, I want to ask that you'll be with us. I want to pray that people will leave this church with hearts warmed, knowing that no matter what the end of time throws at us, knowing, Lord, that no matter what Satan throws at us and no matter how fearful it is, no matter how wide and swift and deep the river is, that through you we can cross it and cross it successfully. So Jesus, be with us now as we study this important topic. I pray in your name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 2. We pick up an interesting story here because the children of Israel who had been in captivity for hundreds of years in Egypt have been released and spent 40 years with Moses crossing the desert. It was an arduous trip. All those who were 40 and over who came out of Egypt died in the desert. 
So this was a young nation that found themselves on the banks of the Jordan River staring over into Canaan, this place that they had longed for, this, this place that they had looked toward for so long. And between the Israelites and Canaan, which was their heaven, was the Jordan River. <clears throat> the Bible says, <clears throat> and I'm interested in this story, <clears throat> excuse me, Early the next morning, picking up the story, Joshua, now you remember Moses had died and Joshua, young warrior, had taken over the leadership of Israel. And the Bible says that early the next morning, Joshua and the Israelites packed up and left Acacia and they went to the Jordan River and they camped there that night. Now there was a problem. The Jordan River, and you're looking at the Jordan River there, was in flood. And it was impossible to cross. It seems to me that we serve a God who likes to make the impossible possible. That's why I can dream, and it's why our television committee, our evangelism committee can dream that this church can make a difference to Australia, can make a difference to the world. Anyone looking on inside would say, no, this church is too small. This church does not have enough resources. This church cannot change Australia, it cannot change the world and they're, they're dreaming if they think that they can change Sydney. But with Jesus, the possible, let me say that again, with Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. Look at your own life. I look at mine, my friends who knew me before I knew Jesus Christ would look at me and say, it will be, they still say it by the way, it would be impossible for Lloyd Grolleman to be a pastor. You must be joking. But when Jesus came into my heart, and you know for your own lives, when Jesus comes into your heart and he lights a fire, the impossible, praise God, becomes possible. That's the sort of God we serve. And I'm glad we serve that sort of God. He's a God of surprises. And it's great joy to see his power at work. Now, the River Jordan was in flood. I have never been to Israel. In fact, there's a chance I might go there next year. But I've never been there. I've never seen the River Jordan. That is not my picture. But they tell me that when the River Jordan is in flood, that, that it can be quite some river. Now, I might not have been to the Jordan River, but I have seen some rivers in flood. I remember when I was in Zimbabwe and I went to this place, Victoria Falls. I think David Livingston described Victoria Falls or it was an, the, the indigenous people of the area described it as the thunder that smokes. I, I have never seen in my life a set of falls like this one. I don't think we have this much water in Australia that cascades over those falls and down into the river below. Now, when you've got falls that are that big with that much water going across the top, you better believe I think the river's always in flood. <clears throat> My youth wanted to raft the Zambezi River. Well, so did I, actually. I was younger and more foolish back then. And I've seen, I've experienced what I think was a river in flood because we indeed did raft that river and were very fortunate, I believe, to get out of it alive. The waves went as high as that, whatever that thing is, halfway up in the church, 
they were 10 metres high. I'm told some of you that the first rapids we went into, we went up and the raft we are in just kept going up and over and we were into the water. In a river in flood, do you think I let go of the rope on that raft? I want to tell you that my hand was welded to it. I wasn't letting go for anything as we went through that rapids in that river in flood in Zambezi on the Zambezi River. I praised God and thanked him from the depths of my heart when we got to the bottom of that river. We had rafted and made it out all alive. But I've seen, I've experienced a river in flood and the Jordan River must have been something like the Zambezi River when I rafted down it. In fact, Ellen White says, and it's interesting, go home, if you've got patriarchs and prophets, read this story, it's it's a great story. She says, at this time of the year, in the spring season, the melting snows of the mountains had so raised the Jordan that the river overflowed its banks, making it impossible to cross at the usual fording places. Remember we serve remember we serve a God who makes the impossible possible. Amen? I love this God. As I look at this story this morning, I see some parallels between Israel at the Jordan and us today. Look at this for a moment. Israel came out of captivity. We, as a people, are coming out of captivity. We are in a world of darkness. It is a world of sin. It is a difficult place to live. We are suffering as do slaves in captivity. And when Jesus comes into our lives, we are coming out of captivity. Captivity to Satan, captivity to sin, captivity to the darkness of this world. And just as Israel came out of captivity, so we are coming out of captivity. And we are headed toward Canaan, just as Israel was. We are headed, praise God, toward heaven. Not only did Israel come out of captivity, but they were passing through the desert. And I want to challenge you this morning that we too are passing through the desert. Human beings are not meant to live, we're not designed by God to live like we are at the moment. We are in the desert. Most of us who do not serve God are not in his presence. If you are not in God's presence, you are in the desert. People die in the desert. We as a human race are dying by the millions in the desert. Israel looked to the promised land. We are looking to the promised land. Israel wanted to get out of the desert, out of this place of death. Where Remember, Every person over 40 died in that desert. We are dying in the desert and like Israel, we are looking at getting out of the desert. They pass through the desert, we're passing through the desert. That's not where the, where the parallels end. They are often attacked in the desert. They may have been attacked by snakes, they might have been attacked by foreign nations and their armies, but they're always under attack. Read the story. We today, in 2005, are we not under attack for our faith? We're under attack sometimes by our family. We're sometimes under attack by our workplace. We're sometimes under attack by our friends. We're always under attack by Satan. There are parallels here. Look at this. They camped on the banks 
of the Jordan and over the river they could see Canaan. And I want to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you from the depths of my heart, and if you don't see this, then there is something wrong with you. You are not reading your Bible. You are not in a relationship with Jesus that you should be. We are, as Seventh-day Adventists this world, I want to tell you the people of God, we are camped on the banks of the River Jordan. We are almost in heaven. The signs tell us that Jesus is coming. And if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, you should be jumping up in joy and excitement with some, with, with, with some soberness of what is happening in the world at the moment because it tells us that Jesus, Jesus, praise God, is almost here. We are camped on the banks of the River Jordan and we look over the river and we can see Canaan, we can see eternity and we long for it. But between eternity, between Canaan and us, as there was between Israel and their promised land, is a river. And the river for Israel was too swift. It was in flood. It was too deep and it was too wide. And when we look at the troubles ahead of us, we long for heaven. But if there's not a little bit of hesitancy in each of you about what's ahead of us, then you're not studying scripture, you're not studying prophecy, you don't know what's coming. And even as I, as a pastor, a man who studies the Word, looks at what's ahead of us, I feel some hesitancy. I look at the river and it does look too wide. And it does look too swift and it does look too deep. If that's how you feel this morning, this is a message that God has for you. There is a raging river before us and we must cross it before we get to the promised land. And I just want to share a few things about this river that's before us. Bible says that just before Jesus comes, here's the river. It's wide, it's swift and deep. It causes fear when you look at it too much. Bible says there'll be famines, there'll be pandemics. Um, look, the governments of this world, I don't believe, are, are necessarily easily scared. But when you've got them, the governments, Australia, the United States of America, when you've got China stocking up on Tamiflu, this drug that fights the bird flu, they're saying the bird flu, I believe it's probably already mutated. It can be flown by birds across continents. And you've got sane, sensible men saying that if this bird flu, this pandemic, that the Bible warns us is going to happen, this sort of thing, before Jesus comes. If it, if it, if it hits the human race, it's somewhere between 5 million and 150 million people are going to die. This is something to fear. Hurricanes. Well, if you lived on the southern coast of the United States of America, you'd be worried about hurricanes. Hurricanes of force and strength like the world has never seen. Tornadoes, floods everywhere except Sydney. Droughts, we're experiencing it. Wars, disasters, terrorism. You know, last, just yesterday they killed over a hundred people in Iraq, terrorists. Crime, financial collapse, fire, it goes on and on and on. These warnings the Bible tells us will, of things that will happen before Jesus comes. The river is wide, the river is deep, the river is swift and there are people who are afraid and it's not just Seventh-day Adventists, they're afraid right across the planet. They too see the river, even though they may not follow God. Of course you've got, and this ought to sober you, because it hits to the heart 
of Seventh-day Adventism, our message and our experience with God, there will be persecution before Jesus comes. And if you don't know this, you need to study prophecy. You need to come to our next prophecy seminar that starts November 5. Before Jesus comes, in Australia, in the West, unheard of, there will be persecution of God's people. There will be a loss of all worldly goods. Yes, those who love God will lose their homes. They will lose their cars. They will lose everything that is a worldly good that's precious to them. That's a river. And I don't think we should be afraid of losing... I don't think that it's wrong to be afraid of losing your worldly goods. I don't want to lose my home. There's security in having somewhere where my girls can go to sleep at night in a warm, dry bread. There's security in being able to feed them to pay my bills. I don't want to experience this. This is a river and it's a raging river. Persecution, loss of worldly goods, loss of jobs of friends. Doesn't it hurt when you come to Jesus and you lose friends? Remember at the end of time, the time we're facing, that you will have those who love God and those who don't. And if you have friends who never make a decision for God, they won't always stay friends. We'll have to flee for our lives, becoming refugees in a hostile world. That's a river. How long since you've studied Daniel 12.1, a time of trouble like the world has never seen? How long since you've looked at the plagues of Revelation 14.16 that are coming to this world? Whew. Sobering stuff. A plague of sores. I'm not going to go through these too carefully today because it's not the message. A plague where the whole sea was turned to blood. A, a plague where springs and rivers and the water we drink also turns to blood. The sun scorching the earth. This is, this is apocalyptic. That's not even the right word. Cataclysmic. Scenes you are watching, we will watch. Those who live to the second coming will watch the world break down. It'll break down physically. We're seeing it with global warming and these terrible disasters. It will break down morally. We're seeing it with crime. It will break down in every single way and it will be a fearsome time to live. The river is indeed wide and swift and deep. Revelation 16.10 says that another plague will be impenetrable, dark and it's so dark that lights are not able to penetrate it. This is a fearsome time indeed. So you get, the, you get a sense of what I'm saying today. We can see Canaan. We can see heaven. I hope you can this morning. But there is this, this wide, deep, swift river in front of us which is, which is causing so many of us concern. And of course, this temptation, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may what? Devour. Now, maybe there's something wrong with me, I don't know. Maybe you're experiencing this too, I hope so, or, or there is something wrong with me. But I feel the temptations that the devil is throwing at me are increasing in strength and intensity. Are you experiencing that or not? Are you experiencing that? The, the, the temptations that the devil's throwing at me 
are increasing in strength and intensity. And I got to the point in my life that if I don't spend the day with the Lord, if I don't start the day with the Lord, if I don't spend the day with the Lord, if I'm not in prayer on my knees and spending time in the Word, so intense and so strong are these temptations that the devil gets me. And I think that is a a large part of the trouble, a large part of the river, a large part of the danger that we face as a people of God before we get to Canaan. It's, it, it's, it's the strength and the intensity and the ferocity of the temptations that Satan is throwing at us. And we need to be in an experience with Jesus Christ like no other generation in the history of the world. And we need to be seeking the presence of Jesus like no other generation in the history of the world. In fact, we need to be just seeking Jesus like no other generation in the, in the history of the world because it's only Jesus that's going to see us through the intensity, the ferocity and the strength of the temptations that Satan has thrown at us. And I'm a pastor and I'm dealing with people all the time that have fallen into sin and I know it's not just me that's feeling the intensity and the, 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 the frequency and the strength of the temptation Satan's thrown at people. I'm seeing people, people of God, doing things that I've never seen, that my father never saw and that my grandfather was a pastor certainly never saw in the church of God. It's happening now because the Satan is attacking us and he's attacking us with strength and power. And it's a part of the river that is in front of us that we must cross before we get to Canaan. So how did Israel, what happened? What did they do when they were confronted by the raging River. Well, this is where we go back to our Bibles. Joshua 3, verse 2, the Bible says, Two days later, their leaders went through the camp. Notice their leaders. When you see some of the priests carrying the sacred chest, you know what that is, don't you? The Ark of the Covenant. You'll know it is time to cross to the other side. You've never been there before and you won't know the way unless you follow the chest. But don't get too close. Stay about a half a mile back. First thing I want to tell you here. Now look at this carefully. God said to Israel, when you see the leaders of Israel, he said to the people of Israel, when you see, when you see, he said it to the leaders who told the people, sorry, he said, look, when you see the chest, the Ark of the Covenant, which was God's presence. In other words, when you see God walk down to the river, then you know that you are to what? Follow. Well, yeah, there was a wait initially, but to follow. We'll look at that in a minute. To follow. Now, I want to tell you that when I go into the time of trouble that is ahead of us, I'm not going to go by myself. I'm going to do what Israel did when they followed the presence of God into the river. I am going to follow God into the river. Is that not what we should be doing? It is God who goes before us and it is God whom we must follow. Now, I'm interested here because the Bible says here that the people were not to get what? Too close. Just hold that in your mind for a minute. Why weren't they to get close? Because they were... They were what? They were sinners. If they'd come too close to the presence of God, if they'd come too close to, the cover, to, to, to this chest, to the Ark of the Covenant, what would have happened to them? 
They would have died. So the presence of God, because sin and God don't, don't, don't match. They don't mix. They're never together. If they'd come too close, they would have died. God said, follow me, but don't get too close. Now, now just hold that in your, in your mind for a moment. Now look at this. Joshua told the people, listen to this. If you get nothing else out of this sermon today, watch this. Jesus, Joshua told the people, make yourselves acceptable to worship the Lord. Because he is going to do some amazing things for us. Bring that to 2005, read it again. Make yourselves, God talks to you, acceptable to worship the Lord. Because he is going to do some amazing things for us. We're before the Jordan and God says, make yourself acceptable. I'm a sinner. I'm very unacceptable to God. How do I become acceptable? How do I make myself acceptable to God? I get on my knees and I repent and I ask Jesus into my heart and I begin a real relationship with him. Look, Seventh-day Adventists, we've got to stop fooling around. We've got to stop fooling around. We've got, to, we've got to stop thinking that we're on the way that we're going to get across the river by coming to Sabbath school and church. We've got to get real in our experience with Jesus. We've got to start opening the Word again and getting to know Jesus of the Bible. We've got to get on our knees and we should be spending not minutes but hours in prayer in the presence of Jesus. It's the only thing you can do to make yourself acceptable to, for God to do amazing things in your life is to be in the presence of Jesus. It's the flag in my ministry that I've run up the flagpole. That's what I'm trying to tell you week after week in this church. Be in the presence of Jesus Christ. If you're in the presence of Jesus Christ, if He is in your heart, if you, if you look, if you're spending time in the Word, if you're spending time on your knees in prayer, in His presence, He makes you acceptable. And He does amazing and will do amazing things. Look, can I say this as we, we go to the last few verses of this study? What happened to Israel? Getting across the Jordan River is nothing compared to what's going to happen to you in your life as God takes you across the river into Canaan, into the promised land. You are going, you are going to have the privilege of experiencing something far greater and much deeper than what Israel experienced in getting across this river. So what happens? Then Joshua turned to the priests and said, take the chest and cross the Jordan River ahead of us. So the priests picked up the chest by its carrying poles and they went on ahead. And the Bible says the Israelites packed up and left camp. The priests carrying the chest walked in front until they came to the Jordan River. The water in the river had risen over its banks as it often does in springtime. But as soon as a priest's feet touched the water, what happens? The river stopped flowing and the water started piling up at the town of Adam near Zarathan. No water flowed toward the Dead Sea and the priests stood in the middle of the dry riverbed near Jericho while everyone else crossed over. Could you imagine if you're one of those priests and you're carrying the Ark of the Covenant and you see that it's a raging river. You get caught in this, you're going to drown. And you, What faith these men must have had as they walked down to the river. And as soon as their feet touched the water, the river split, it parted, and there's a path through the red, through the red, through the Jordan, 
through the River Jordan. And I want to tell you, that's what's going to happen to us at the end of time. Yeah, the troubles are fierce. Oh, it's very scary to look at them. But when the time comes, it will be God who will lead us through the river. It, I don't know how we're going to get through it. I don't know how we're going to get through persecution. I don't know how we're going to get through the loss of our homes and our jobs, our friends and some our family. I don't know how we're going to get through the terrible disasters that are going to sweep across the world through the pandemics. I don't know. All I know is that God has said he will go before me and he will part the river and I will walk through under the shadow of his almighty wing. And I've got to tell you today that that's good enough for me. It's good enough for me. The Bible says that, well even before, we'll just go back there for a minute. And, and what I found interesting here for the Bible is that the priest walked into where? In the river. Where? The what? The middle. So the priests are standing in the middle of the river with the chest, with the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God, God himself. The river has parted on both sides. The children of Israel who were told to stay what? At a what? At a distance. Now walk down into the river, past the what? Past the Ark of the Covenant, right past it, past God's presence. The trial, the tribulation, the river actually brings the people closer, look at the text, to God. And when we cross this river, when we go through the end of time, we are a people who have immersed ourselves in the presence of God. We are a people into Bible study and prayer. Dare I say we are a people who turn up to Sabbath school, not because that's the right thing to do, but because we're longing to be in the presence of God and any excuse to be in the presence of God is good enough for us. We are a people to turn up to every opportunity we can to be in the presence of God. We are a people who will be in prayer meeting, not just prayer meeting in this church, but prayer meetings in our homes will be springing up everywhere because it is our joy to be in the presence of God. You see, the trial that is ahead of us and the trial as we go through it will draw us closer to Jesus. It's what it did to Israel and it's what it will do to us. They walk right past God who is in the middle of the trial. God did not go ahead and leave the river. God stood in the middle of the trial. And if you read the text through, every one of those people walked past the chest up out of the river into Canaan and it's only when they had that, that they were all in Canaan that the priests took their, their chest, the Ark of the Covenant, symbolising God's presence, and walked up out of the river. And then the river came down and was as it was before God went into it. And that's what will happen to us. We will walk through the river and God will be closer to us. And for many of us, if we're honest, we have served a God from afar most of us don't experience God talking directly to us like the prophets do. We hold on to him in faith, 
But as we go through the river, so intense will be the experience. We'll be drawn so close to God that he will become, he will, he will become a part of us. It is as simple as that. Inside us, leading, directing and seeing us through. Where does God, what does God promise? He says, in my father's house, this is Canaan, are many mansions. I love this. And I like the word mansions, not rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to, to prepare a place for you. And if I go, Jesus promises it. See, Jesus is on the other side of the river. And these words come back to us from Canaan, from heaven. If I go, he says, to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, where I am, there you may be also. Now, I want to conclude with this little diagram. I apologise for it before I show you. I'm not much with PowerPoint. But here we go. Here is the world on one side, on the left, and here is Cain and here is heaven on the other. That line of pictures down through there is a river. Tornadoes, hurricanes, we've looked at it today. The river. War. The river. Pandemics. The river. The stock market collapse. All financial. You know, Ellen White says all financial. What does she say? All financial. You don't know? Pillars will be withdrawn from under us as we face the end of time. The stock market collapse. Uh, Crime. Death, the grim reaper. This is a river. It troubles us. We can't get across. But look at this as we close. Jesus said, I am the what? Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm life. Jesus is the bridge. Look at it. From earth, across the river, to heaven. There is no other way. Jesus is the bridge. And if you want to walk on that bridge, it is a simple thing to get in your knees, to get on your knees to ask Jesus into your heart and begin to experience life with him. If you don't know where to go, how to get on this bridge, Go home, get on your knees, ask Jesus into your heart, then begin to read your Bible. It doesn't matter where you start. Just do it. God will lead you. And start to let God through the Bible and through prayer become a part of your life and you will be on the bridge. You know, as I close, I never, I never had any pastor ever come to me, ever, and sit down and do a series of Bible studies with me and say, this is how you find Jesus. I never had anyone take me through a systematic series until I got to Avondale College and, and did my study to become a pastor. I'd never had anybody take me through a systematic study. I just one day, as Jesus called me, got on my knees and said, Jesus, I accept. Come inside. I then began to read my Bible. And as I read my Bible, I found things in there that excited me about Jesus Christ, that meant something to me. And Jesus, as I read the Bible, was speaking to me. And he became real and he became live and he came into my heart. And as that happened, as I began to pray to him, Jesus dragged me up onto the bridge. And for 16 years I've been walking across the bridge and I'd rather be on the bridge than in the river. The river's getting fiercer. The flood is rising. You don't want to be in the river, you want to be on the bridge. And it's not a difficult exercise to be on the bridge. 
walking with Jesus right across all these troubles, right across this river, right at, look, yes, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, plagues, they're all coming. But I'll be on the bridge. I'll be on the bridge. And I'll be walking to Canaan. And today Jesus offers that to you. You know, I want to close with this beautiful text in Hebrews 13.5 and it's in Joshua as well, where Jesus promises that no matter how fearsome the times we face are, he says, oh, never, he says, never will I what? Never will I forsake you. And I want to pray that as we conclude this Bible study this morning, that that is your experience, that you get up on the bridge, that you begin to walk with Jesus so that no matter what happens in this world, as it collapses down around you, and it will, you'll be okay because you'll be on the bridge above it being carried by Jesus Christ. And that is my prayer for you this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, it is a troubled old world we live in. It's easy to have great fear. It's easy to let all these signs sweep us away. But this morning we come before you as your people and we ask you into our hearts and we pray, Jesus, that you will cleanse us as only you can. We pray, God, you'll give us wisdom to spend time with you in prayer. That you'll give us wisdom, God, to spend time with you in the Bible. That you'll humble us and help us to repent of our wicked ways and to see you in all your beauty and to desire to be like you and to be with you immersed in your presence. Help us to see the wisdom and the safety in this as we face the end of this world. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know when the people came through the river, you read Joshua chapter 4, they set up a they set up an altar. It's called an Ebenezer. And that altar was to remind them of how God had taken them through the river. And I've chosen this last song and I want to invite you to stand and sing it with me because it talks about this experience and perhaps when we get to heaven we'll set up an altar to remind us of what the Lord did for us. Let's stand and sing this beautiful song. Come thou fount of every blessing. Uh-huh.